welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another great episode. We are excited to have Dr. Jennifer Campbell. How you doing, Jennifer? Hi, I'm doing great this evening. Super excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jennifer. Yeah, I am in my 14th year of music education. Um, I have been an elementary music teacher. Um, during that time, I worked with middle school and high school students on uh, straight plays and musical theater. Um, I once did a production of Into the Woods that had four-year-olds through 19-year-olds in it, um, over 90 people to take care of. Um, I uh, am a vocalist uh, who specializes in two uh, music ed pedagogies, Kodai and Orf Schulwerk. Um, and I decided to stop teaching small people and during my master's degree work, um, got really interested in educational research, um, did a PhD, and now I teach undergraduate students um, to be certified in New York State to work with pre-K through grade 12 public school music students. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right off the bat. Yeah. You said some words that us non-musical people who only Absolutely. sing in the shower, which nobody wants to hear. <laughs> you said, Odai? How did you say it? What Kodai. Kodai and... Kodai and Orf Shulwerk. Okay, yeah. did, I didn't write so that down at all. The both, of so them, both of them are composers, first and foremost. So Zoltan Kodai is a Hungarian music composer. And Karl Orff is a German music composer. And both of them created pedagogies, ways to teach uh, children and specifically young children and, and novice music people um, how to do music and how to learn about music. Um, and so Kodai is where we do all the hand signs and we're singing a lot. Um, and then Orfshulwerk uses these really cool xylophones that you might have seen before in an elementary uh, music setting. Um, they're called uh, xylophones if they have wood bars and if they have metal bars, they're called metallophones. Um, and they, like I said, they're pedagogies. So they have ways to teach and specific sequences of how we're gonna teach the elemental music. Yeah. So, so, so Michael, here's here's the thing. Uh, about about eight years ago, Jennifer uh, worked with me at camp before she was a doctor. Now I got to Now she makes yeah. me call her Doctor Campbell all the time. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, it, it's a but we worked at camp, and every single week that summer was a lesson in music. I mean, she was just there was so much information that was coming out. Uh, she had a leadership role on our uh, as part of our leadership team, what we called our support staff. And it, it was just always amazing what uh, that element of music that she brought to the role of, of basically helping, uh, you know, run units at camp and run activities at camp. It was, it was really a, a fascinating time. I, I, I loved that summer, uh, as, especially because of how the dynamic of music that uh, 
uh, wasn't there before. So uh, yeah, so you know, all these words uh, and and composers and different things would would come out at campfire and uh, dining hall announcements and different things like that. So it was always a lot of fun to uh, uh, put that in place. So. I, I'm so impressed just for the first like three minutes of this conversation. I screw up boom, chicka boom. Okay, I'm just laying. <laughs> that's my musical talent. I can do it. I, I, that I'm is not a good with... fair call and response is, is a musical form. So yes. look, you've already got that done and dusted. That's it. As long as it's not the the one with the, the bird on the perch and the perch on the this and the yes. that. I can never, Those I can are get called the additive songs where you I... have to add a portion well, then oh, you know what we're going to have? Trying. We're going to have Dr. Dr. Jennifer Campbell on Youth Development Pro. We're going to have a musical quiz with her. We're going to set it up and you guys can go in and she'll, she'll work with you. You know, that would be a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, fun. absolutely. Yeah, so. That'd be fun. Okay. So now we went off on that tangent and I learned. And yeah. so please, you know, uh, the, that's just great to, to know all these different things that it's just deeper than a call and response, which is my level. That's it. Um, so and that's you, fine. What school do you work for? What school do you work for right now, Jennifer? Yeah, right now I work for the College of St. Rose in Albany, New York. It is a um, private uh, liberal education uh, undergraduate institution. I have 74 music education majors. Um, and my responsibilities right now, I work with them at every level from their very first course to their student teaching semester when they're out in a public school or two, um, as it were, uh, to practice them teaching skills before they get their license. So cool. So the world's happening right now. We're 2021. Yeah. It, it is It is February, uh, or sorry, it is. It's Just March. March it's the first. first day of March. March first. You'll be on in a basically comedy. been a whole year. So talk to us. How's I'm assuming you're online a little bit. I mean, it's kind of probably would be harder with music, I think, parts of it. Yeah. So um we were really fortunate um in the fall. Um we had our own study going on, like multiple professional organizations gathered together over the summer to get a medical aerosol study through the University of Colorado. Um, and they put uh, small children and high school singers and, and performers into a box where they can measure aerosols. Um, and so we got really great guidelines to walk into August with. Um, we understood that if we had good HEPA filters and we had decent ventilation, that we can make aerosols as a group of about 20 to 30 people for about 30 minutes. And as long as everybody then vacates the space so the space can air out, um, we're pretty safe at that point of time. We have to be wearing masks and we need to be socially distanced, um, but we can do music together. Um, all of our instruments have funny things uh, attached to them, covering bells and, and openings, as it were. Um, flutes are a little tricky because they, you know, have um, pads and, and many of their holes are open. Um, and so that plus the fact that things were feeling new and it was still lovely 
in August and September um, led my colleagues and I to ask for tents. So I actually taught on a cart um, and took all of my instruments and, and met my students outside in the grass under a tent. Um, and, you know, it didn't feel unlike Weona, where like, we're, this is what we're doing and we're outside. Uh, the wind in Albany is, is different than Rochester wind, um, and it's very strong. And so there were just a few days that, you know, we just couldn't really have actual class. Uh, because the wind was intense, but we felt a lot safer. It let us do soprano recorders outside. Um, other than that, yes, we are using hybrid. We are using uh, the virtual spaces. Not so easy to play instruments. Obviously, there's time delays. Everybody knows that about Zoom. Now imagine you're trying to count to six <laughs> together as a group. Uh, it doesn't work. Um, so we're learning things like um, Soundtrap is probably the most popular and the most well-known. And it is basically like Audacity or like any, um, you know, tracking sound, sound recording system, except that it functions like a Google Doc, meaning we can all be on the same project. And from our different computers, we can be dropping in our individual tracks and then they'll all line up and you can do some editing and try to pull something together. <laughs> Awesome. You, you know, I keep I keep telling people, had, had this happened, you know, that this entire pandemic happened three years ago, oh the technology goodness. would have not been there. And what no. you're describing is, 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 you know, kind of that, you know, Zoom technology yeah. for nope. everybody else where you can literally people be singing or playing different instruments and it records and puts it together almost immediately and then sends it back out. And, and yeah, that we just to didn't me have is, those. Yeah, and so I, you know, I, 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 while it's been a, a tremendously, you know, difficult time, uh, it, it amazes me what we've learned about one another and and, and that. Mm -hmm. So with with that in mind, your your students, uh, you know, who are like, you know, one one of the common things that we hear in all of our podcasts, Jennifer, is, is, has been resiliency. Can you talk a little bit about some of your students and, and how they've, you know, come through all this? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, I told my students that we all needed to own up that there was some level of trauma going on for all of us. Um, and I think that really helped just taking ownership of, that we were all being asked to do really difficult things, especially right in the beginning. Um, students, however, you know, found opportunities to be creative, to stay connected. Um, you know, something as simple as reminding them, yeah, they don't have the fancy college accounts that lets you stay on Zoom for hours and hours, but they all had free Zoom accounts where for 30 minutes they could see a bunch of their friends and just like, don't forget to still do homework together, you guys. You know, <laughs> don't forget to send 
uh, a recording they usually play for each other in the practice rooms. Um, it's just this big hallway at our school, as it is at many schools of music, um, where you can go knock, knock, knock and, and hear somebody else performing. Obviously, we're not able to go into the room with somebody if they're performing in a practice room right now, but you can make a quick audio recording and text it to a buddy, you know, to your accompanist, to a friend, to your mom, you know, don't forget to use the most important support system. Um, residence halls are a little bit different. Um, and at our institution, as many other schools of uh, music or music programs within a, a university population, um, there is a large number of students who are music ed majors who are also RAs. And just those students using the skills that they have from music education coursework in their RA ship, and then vice versa, transferring those skills back over from RA ship to help their music education coursework and and thoughts about uh, pedagogy and teaching others and classroom management um, have come up. Um, the coolest thing for me and my students that has come out of this situation is that we're teaching virtual preschool music online together. So um, what this looks like is it's free and we advertise and three-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, families of four individual children with just a grandparent caregiver or their their babysitter caregiver because it's during the day and mom and dad are both home trying to get work done um they can come and get on a zoom with my students and i and we sing songs and we chant and we do rhythm and we ask them what their favorite colors are um but what's really awesome is that I had never had the opportunity to do a family experience with my students because we were always seeing children at a preschool setting without moms and dads. And so just to see music come alive for families and to see grandparents and parents doing music with their children has brought an added element of joy, uh, which certainly then lets their resiliency and their energy be different when they're meeting with me in a classroom Zoom. What, what, Jennifer, what have you learned about yourself that, that you're surprised within that kind of, you know, finding joy in the pandemic? I mean, that, that, that just speaks so loudly about who you are and who I know you are as well from our yeah. experiences together, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the same preschool situation, um, my friends who are now caregivers and parents, um, my nephew is on our Saturday morning preschool <laughs> call and um, my friends from college, their children are on our Tuesday call. Um, and just getting to be a part of families and moments of musical gatherings that I wouldn't necessarily have access to if we were in this traditional setting. Um, but for me, what the pandemic has really caused me to reflect on for myself is um, taking time to balance between that public Jennifer Campbell and who she is as a music educator um, 
and the private person. Um, so out of this, I've, for example, I didn't have an Instagram that was professional. It was all kind of like my personal stuff and my professional stuff and just kind of creating space for those two people to be different roles in my life um, has really allowed my personal self to catch up with a few things that I felt I was behind on before the pandemic. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I, I run my summer camps one, my youth development pro one, and my personal one and trying to get keep them separate can be a challenge and taking time for yourself and your mental health is really important. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Jennifer, for that part. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. We're here with Dr. Jennifer Campbell from uh, the College of St. Rose in Albany talking about music education. So Jennifer has this unique role of being uh, an educator at the college level for people who are teaching from the preschool through high school level uh, and, and has uh, done some great things. Jennifer had the opportunity um, to uh, work at camp one summer with me and, and, and likewise. And um, so my son, uh, my youngest son uh, was really involved in camp and he's really involved in music at school. And that's been a big, huge part uh, of his life. Uh, and, and, and so I, I, I want to talk to you. I, I want to find out. So as, as you instill this, you know, um, uh, love and desire and joy for music education in students, uh, what are you seeing as, uh, you know, the challenges of uh, 2021 and beyond in providing that kind of education, uh, not just for the college level, but for when they have to turn around and teach younger folks as well? Yeah, you know, it's always going to be a challenge um, to get administrators and, and to find time and to find resources to put towards music education. Um, I always remind my students and instill in them that everyone has a singing voice. Everyone can sing and speak and clap and stamp their feet. Um, so remember, even when your school has no budget for music education, you can still give great music education to your students. Um, but certainly something that 2020 and beyond has showcased um, kind of in the scary side of, of losing access to music education is that it's taken some technology and some extra work and spaces um, you know, in schools that are doing the hybrid thing um, here in New York, especially our elementary children are going almost every day, um, but they have to be spread out. They have to be in smaller numbers. And because of that, music teachers are functioning, you know, without their music classrooms this year. Um, and to see that go away in a state that historically has had excellent music education, especially at the elementary level, um, it can be frustrating and disheartening. I have a couple of colleagues who are music teachers, current music teachers, who are needing to be assigned other job responsibilities because music isn't making up enough of their contract hours this year. 
Um, and so hopefully um, we can take steps to continue to advocate for how important um, it is not only for their brains, for you know their ability to do multiple things at the same time, but also for their hearts and their souls and to be well-rounded humans, um, to have appreciation for and to, to be able to sing uh, with confidence and, and to share their voice and their own unique talents. Um, certainly there are children that immediately gravitate towards that and sometimes their parents can be the greatest advocates for a music educator, um, but all of them need it. Um, all of them need steady beat and, and an understanding of tempo um, because it will help their analytical skills in other areas. Um, they need to be thinking about pitch and rhythm at the same time because reading music gives them access into thinking about other languages and, and other uh, forms of writing down and capturing thoughts. Um, and they certainly need the opportunity to try something by themselves that's different, that might be a little bit out of their comfort zone, because we know that is a growing mechanism for any human being. Um, yeah. I, I, I know for a fact that, you know, it was those uh, years and years and years of campfire that really instilled that love and want to sing and perform with my kids that they all participated in some uh, in multiple different performing arts uh, in in high school and beyond. Uh, so I it's it, 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 I really do appreciate that. And, and you talk about music education and uh, you know uh, the the keeping beats and and the way that works. I you know I it, and most of our guests uh, uh, or most of our listeners on the podcast know that I stutter a little bit. Uh, and I think of Mrs. McLaren, who was my uh, the librarian at uh, in seventh grade, who. Uh, helped me figure out that if I sang everything in my head first, I would be able to say it without stuttering, and I can get through sentences without stuttering. And, and it, it was, you know, about using left brain, right brain, and because because music is a, a right right brain, correct? Yeah, is a right brain thing, and and, uh, and and I know that when I'm practicing to say something or a speech or whatever, I'm singing it first, you know. So it it, it it's been a, a, a lifelong lesson. So Jennifer, to, uh, let me ask you this: uh, you know, looking back on uh, the last year, it, are there any things that you've learned and are doing that even beyond the pandemic? We know let's you know a year from now, uh, uh, two years from now, this, you know, the vaccines have rolled out and uh, there's a new way of living beyond what we've been living through. Uh, is there anything that you would carry forward that you've learned that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like a lot of uh, educators, the greatest takeaway that I have had is one-on-one -on -one attention and the ability to do a bit more individualized, especially formative assessments, you know, self-evaluation before a final product or artifact is due. Um, I'm catching smaller issues earlier on because they're having to be more independent 
from the very beginning. Whether that's a singer in my women's chorale and I'm noticing some pitch errors or some rhythm errors because they're turning in, you know, them singing a cappella in their own room um, while everybody's on the Zoom together. Or if it's uh, the fact that I'm needing to conference individually because talking all at the same time on the Zoom doesn't really work the way it can work in a classroom space. Um, I'm just finding that giving just a little bit more and it doesn't take a lot of time and it, it really doesn't have to take too much energy if you're smart about how you set that up for your students. And to be honest, put it on them as the learner to be self-evaluating and checking in that they understand what the assignment is supposed to do and how they're going to get through the assignment and not just get through, but to really soar and grow from that assignment. It, it, it's really a, a, a huge educational piece. And, and what I hear you saying is, you know, those one-on-one -on -one connections are really vital. And, and again, that's another word that comes up over and over uh, with all of our guests. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely so vital to everything that we've been doing. So I was uh, just going to say that connection or connecting uh, is part of our national standards for music education. So that's that's a really great point that that rapport and relationship part is always. So how do you how do you manage that now differently? I mean, I know you said you, you have a more opportunities to engage privately or one-on-one -on -one or really pay yeah. attention. And then once we're back to air quotes normal, yeah. how are you gonna continue to maintain that? Yeah, so I mean, our smart devices um, and the fact that even in the, the most urban school district and, and we're right in Albany City School District, you know, they, they were forced to find the money to come up with Chromebooks for everybody. Um, and continuing to allow students to choose to have some self-selected differentiation of, well, I wanna submit a recording or I want to have a conference with you or I wanna talk to my peer about how I'm doing on this task and some feedback they could give to me. Um, making sure that the learner is invested in the learning outcomes is something that I just feel like the technology has pushed all of us to do in a way, but that we absolutely need to keep when we're back in the classroom. And when we're back in the classroom, it's just that we're, we're gonna be able to do that more quickly because it'll be face-to-face. -face. So it really shouldn't be strenuous because the strenuous part right now is that when, you know, uh, an ensemble of 40 people turn in their, their singing evaluation, well, I've got to listen to 40 recordings and, and the platform that I'm using is silly and won't just play it in the platform we've uploaded. To, it's downloading it to my computer. So now I've got like 80 files every single time because inevitably something will happen and I'll have to like leave it and then come back to it and some of them are downloading twice you know um but i just the technology has caused me to think 
specifically about the ongoing assessment cycle, which I always thought of for my music educators, for themselves as educators, but to bring that into the context of them as learners within the education class, it gets a little meta, but it's really cool. I, what I hear you saying is like just leaning into what the technology is for them because you know, because we've always done it that way before is not the way to, to, to lead. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that the tools are around us and they're not going to go away. Um, and embracing them and moving forward in a way that is still student centric or camper centric is always the right decision. Yeah, it's having the intelligent conversation and the trust in the staff that you've hired to take care of other human beings to not take a photo. That you've, you've entrusted them with these other things. You've entrusted them with bigger things than not taking a photo with their phone. So this is what, this is what you need to do and this is how you need to lead them and, and model that. So it's important. I, I always struggled for years being like, well, I'm the camp director. I have to have my phone on because if my boss calls or the parents and then I'm like, that's not right. That's not fair. Right. And these younger generations are all about fair. Right. And what does fair look like? So, all right. Now, please send all hate mail to Al Ferrero. <laughs> it, it, it really is a culture thing. And that's what you both have been describing uh, the, the, the last few minutes. Um, so with your with the kids that you're educating, to educate kids, uh, if there's one thing that you want them to take away in in this 2021, you know, post coronavirus world, what's that one thing that that you want to instill in them that they're going to move on for the next five, ten years in helping educate others? Yeah, just to always remember that your students are humans first. Yeah, so, you know, music is really important and I really want them singing and doing rhythms and playing instruments and doing music, teaching their children, their students that they are composers and creators and dancers. But if your student doesn't have access to the curriculum, can't focus because they don't feel safe, or hasn't had breakfast that morning, they're not going to be as successful as they could be in your classroom. And so remembering that just because we encourage musicians when going into professional um, choral situations or instrumental situations to leave everything else at the door and to come focus on music, that's not an expectation that's appropriate for the children that you're going to see in your classroom. And to consider that they have this whole world that exists and that you are this tiny part of it. Um, and to acknowledge the world that they are living in and the journey that they are on as individuals is always going to get you the best results for every student in your classroom. That's 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 just fantastic. Um, uh, what a what a great way to to, to end our, our call together, uh, Jennifer. Tell us uh, where where can folks get a hold of you and and uh, you know how uh, what 
what's the next big thing on your horizon? Ooh, I got a lot of big things on my horizon. Um, I'm continuing a partnership with the country country music association, um, voices for unifying music education. Um, and I hope to be participating in a town hall with them later, uh, this spring. Um, and certainly we're, we're excited about some opportunities over the summer to kind of circle back up um, as people are creating their recovery boards, you know, or their reopening or back to normal, whatever people are, are labeling those groups of people that are going to make some administrative decisions for their institutions. Um, I am contactable on all of the things. I have a Twitter um, and an Instagram account uh, that are pretty new. Uh, so I would love to talk to people on those situations. Um, I have a Facebook account and that's probably the best way to reach me on a regular basis. Um, and certainly, you know, old fashioned email. <laughs> um, but also the next big thing for me as an individual is low key, I'm hiding on TikTok right now and I'm learning all I can from all the young people. Um, and I look to be uh, putting up content about folk music um, and specifically game songs and singing songs for elementary children that are um, culturally responsive for the day and age in which we live um, and doing some history about some songs that we are leaving out of the song repertoire moving forward. Thank you, Jennifer. We will uh, gonna take another quick commercial break. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks. Hi everybody, this is Michael Garcia and I am here to talk to you about Youth Mental Health First Aid. This course is designed to teach neighbors, teachers, parents, peers, and caring citizens how to help a youth or teen who is experiencing a mental health or substance abuse challenge or crisis. The course discusses mental health challenges for youth, reviews typical adolescent development, and provides guidance through the ALGE Action Plan for both crisis, non-crisis situations. Topics covered in the manual include anxiety, depression, substance abuse disorders in which psychosis may occur, disruptive behaviors disorders, including ADHD and eating disorders are covered as well. If you're interested, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and sign up for our next course. Welcome back, everybody. It was such a great conversation with Jennifer. I really enjoyed learning. I learned a lot about music, which I didn't know. Um, Al, tell us what you learned today. Uh, you know, I, it's it's the the one of the last things that she she shared uh, was that my takeaway quote: "Students are humans first. And, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, I know Jennifer follows uh, Gretchen Rubin quite a bit as well. And we didn't even have a Gretchen Rubin quote uh, at all, uh, but that just speaks to volumes to who she is. And, and then when she starts to talk about music, uh, you know, at how just the joy that comes out in how she wants to share that with her students so that they can share with so many others. And, and she is a real educator when it comes to knowing 
you know, uh, that that students are humans first, and, and she's got to, you know, again reach them at that kind of, you know, where they're at, in order to help them know or learn and grow from what she is helping them uh, learn and grow from. So, I love these episodes because it's nothing to do, and you know, on the surface, is nothing to do with what. I do, but as you listen to the conversations, it's all connected. It's all about relationships. It's all about building those relationships and those opportunities to connect with other people. I love that she has her students do virtual preschool classes online for free. That's so cool to be able to give them the skills they want to be teachers and and Zoom is not going away anytime soon. So, and she's reaching families that yeah. way also. Uh, you know, the whole family, not just the student uh, anymore. So, what what a great way for families to connect. Definitely. All right. Well, Al, thanks, and thanks for finding Jennifer. We're very excited to have her on. Uh, we are all done for today. We will see you in two weeks. Have a great day. 